Hey listeners, my name is Meg and I'm a volunteer here at Saltbox Church. I want to welcome you to our podcast. I love that the teaching here isn't about flashy gimmicks or hidden agendas. It's all about diving deep into thought-provoking, Jesus-centered discussions. We're glad you're here and we'd love to get to know you better. So please don't hesitate to reach out with your prayer requests, questions, and comments at our website, saltboxchurch.com. How's that for an entrance? Drag your table across. Good morning. I'm so privileged to be here. I, someone had invited us and there was a situation happening today that a lot of our friends are going to be involved with. And I said, no, I have an assignment. And so I can't go. So I'm so privileged to be here with you this morning. I've had something happen recently that's kind of interesting. Um, Again, well, let me back up just a little bit. My name is Jim Snyder. For those of you who maybe just walked in and don't know me at all, I was a pastor for about 30 years. I've preached a couple of other times in other places. And so, uh, but I'm on the board of of this church and I'm an overseer. And I'm just, when Michael asked me to be a part, I was more than excited because I just believe God's really doing something with you guys that I don't think you realize yet. So I'm just grateful to be here. And uh, probably for the last three weeks, I have been in Psalm 37. And we're going to look at some portions of this today around a topic. There's When I was in school, they said there are two different ways to preach. There's two different ways to understand how to present the word to people. And one of them is you just open the Bible and you preach what's there. And so if you're in Genesis 15, so your sermon that week will be from Genesis 15. Well, sometimes there's another way to do it, and you can, the Lord will give you perhaps a topic. Maybe you'll preach on something like uh, prayer. And so you'll spend weeks in the Bible just looking at how God spoke, because this thing was really put together by the Holy Spirit, and he used a number of different individuals to run some themes about who he was. This is a revelation. This whole thing is a huge revelation that was written over a long period of time, and sometimes there are themes in it. Well, today I'm going to talk about a theme rather than just as Michael has done recently. He's been in, I think, Acts, if I'm not mistaken, and you've been some other places. But today I want to talk about the concept of trust. So I've been reading through this, and um, like I said, Psalm 37, I have a little thing that I have printed that's in my office at home that is actually Psalm 37. And it says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. This past summer, I've been in a couple of situations where I needed the Lord to act. I needed him to move on our behalf, meaning help me understand the next steps, help me know what you're doing, help me know why we're doing what we're doing. And from time to time, uh, you know, the Lord will give you something like Psalm 37. So I opened up a devotional on Friday. Out of all the words in the whole Bible, all, all the chapters, all the verses, the devotional was Psalm 37, 4 and 5. So I was looking at it and, and I just, I laughed. I laughed out loud because I knew that that was God saying, you're on target here. 
Last night, I'm watching football for a little while. Even when I preach, I still watch football the night before. It just helps me get into it. <laughs> so, yeah, baby. But I was in a panic earlier in the week because my outline wasn't done. <laughs> However, last night, I was watching football, and during a commercial, I was on social media, and here's this musician named Lauren Daigle. So... I said, oh, what's she doing? She's messing with her phone. She can't quite figure it out. She said, I don't know how to work this. And, you know, it's obvious that she has people that does stuff for her. That's like the first time that I went to work. I'm currently working in a private practice doing some uh, counseling. And, you know, they said, well, you just need to fax that. And I remember thinking, ah, wow, I'm not, I'm not sure I know how to do that. <laughs> I've always had people that help me do that stuff. And so last night she was messing with her phone and she finally said, I'm just going to set this up here. She said, this is real important because I feel like I'm supposed to talk to you about Psalm 37. So didn't turn the football back on. I left that on. And I just realized that, that God is in this season in our culture trying to speak some things to the larger body of Christ of which we are a part of. And so specifically, the reason that trust is so important, at least as I'm looking big picture, our culture is in a lot of trouble because we don't know who to believe anymore. We don't know what to trust. We don't know if what we're hearing is true or not. We don't know how to trust. We used to trust easier than we do now. So consequently, I began looking at that and thinking through that, and I realized today that some of you may also, if we pare that down, not just to the larger culture, but to our individual lives, some of you may, may be in a place where you may be stuck right now because you don't know what to trust here. I wrote, feeling stuck is a universal feeling from time to time. In fact, most people that come to see me or other counselors in this city, they're usually stuck in something. Everyone has fought this. We often feel stuck when we've tried everything we can think of to change our situation, but it doesn't seem to be changing. You might notice yourself thinking the same negative thoughts over and over, and if you know what happens there, before long, you'll start to feel powerless, helpless, or hopeless. Here's some circumstances that can help you feel stuck. I just wrote a few of these down. Not having friends or family around to help us. Feeling trapped in a difficult relationship with extended family, friends, or another spouse. That can make you feel stuck. Anticipated job changes. Children issues. Whether they're adult children, for those of us who are older, or for the those who are dealing with little ones like Adrian and Matt. Kids can make you feel stuck. It can make you think, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm not sure why this is happening. Issues with extended family, financial worries, dealing with grief or loss, all of these things can cause you, I don't know if you've been there, but I've been there. It can cause us to say, wow, God, I just don't know where to go with this. I don't even know how to respond to what I'm standing in right now. I need your help to get me out of this. I feel so stuck. 
Some of my secular friends that, I, um, that will offer advice, they've said, if you feel stuck at work, try driving a different way to work. Okay. <laughs> Rearrange your room. Good. Volunteer somewhere. That'll help you not feel stuck. Take a class you've never taken before. Watch a show you've never watched. You know, guys, I need more than that. I just do. And I believe that as believers, we can begin to call out to the Lord and he can help us because normally feeling stuck comes from a lack of trust. Feeling stuck in a situation, if God has asked you to do something and you're very hesitant, that just shows, oh my gosh, I don't know if I trust this is going to work out well. See, it's a lack of trust. You're right on the threshold of making a different decision. And if you're not a fully trusting in him, it can cause you to end up in the, on the worry bus. It can cause you to end up on the fear and all of that. There's a book by Henry Cloud, um, and he writes in it, Trust is the fuel of all of life. Nothing in life works without trust. We are wired biologically, neurologically, emotionally, and spiritually to trust. He defined trust as a noun, and he defined it this way. It's an assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. I trusted that when Daniel gave me this earlier, he said, I'm going to leave it on. Flip this one button up and it'll come on. I trusted him and look what happened. It's working. So trust is something we do every day, all day. So when people say, oh, I don't trust anything or anybody, I say, no, that's crazy. You do. When you put that thing in the back of your car and squeeze the handle, you trusted that fuel was going to come out and not chocolate milk. You trusted that. When you go to the bank and you put a check in and you have a receipt and you say, look, here it is, here it is, you're trusting that they believe that. So trust is something that we use all the time. Some of us are more cautious than others, but by and large, all of life has to have trust in it. When we get stuck somewhere, there's usually a deficit of trust. I want to tell you about um, just a little situation that we had way some years ago. I was working for a company in Richmond, Virginia. It was called Ucrops. It was a supermarket chain. They were the cream of the crop. They had probably 60% of the Richmond market when we were there, which is a huge market in case you're not familiar with Virginia. And I worked for them, and I was doing different things. And part of the way they trained their management is they had them work in different parts of the store. They were known for raising their leadership up from within. So I'm working for Ucrops, and one day I'm on the back door as a vendor. I'm receiving vendors who bring in your Pepsis and your chips and your cookies, and I'm checking these guys in. And the next thing, I'm over in the produce department wrapping lettuce. I smelled like celery every day. 
Have you, do you know that? If you mess with celery for very long, that mess gets on you worse than a skunk. I mean, Diane would take the clothes. Oh, you did celery today. Put those over there. So I worked in produce. I worked with electronic checkouts. We were one of the first companies in Virginia to have a supermarket that didn't have little labels on it. I helped build that process in Richmond. We were going to a charismatic Presbyterian church. Yes, that is possible. <laughs> and we were there, and we were hearing and seeing God do things. And he began to work in here, and he began to talk to me about our future. And we knew we wanted more than smelling like celery every day. And he began, and, you know, he began to use us in situations, and we began to lead small groups, and occasionally I would teach in classes. And so a couple of our pastors began to say, have you ever thought about going into the ministry? And I thought, are you kidding me? I came out of Marshall University with like a, Two six. That was when they were the grades were on a four point scale. In case for those of you who don't remember, and the reason I ended up with a two six is I had one semester that was a one nine, so not too good. So he's talking to me about ministry, and he's talking to me about going to a graduate school. I'm stuck. Because the safe decision was to stay with you crops. I knew they wouldn't leave me in the celery forever. And I knew that there was an opportunity to, to, for advancement. That was a safe decision. I also, at that point, we had two wonderful daughters who were two and three years old. My wife was at home. I, I worked and did all we could do so that she didn't have to work. But we're stuck, man, because... We're beginning to think, does God want me to make this kind of a change this early? And so what's happening there? I'm not trusting. I'm not trusting that he's going to get me through that. I'm not trusting that he's going to provide because, you know, when you go to school full time, who's working? Nobody. How do you pay for that? So we head off to Gordon Conwell in Boston, and I go for an interview. The guy looks... <laughs> The guy looks at my transcript. He says, wow, you realize this is a graduate school? <laughs> I said, I do. He said, it says here your average grade from Marshall was 2.6. I said, yep. I did good to get that up to 2.6. <laughs> I said, I can work, man. I know how to work. You know, I could explain a cover two defense. I could explain basketball stuff. I could explain NASCAR but I really didn't know about Greek and Hebrew, not gonna work. And so I'm really kind of scared, but I'm going because we believed that God was calling us. We were stuck though. And so we went and we're concerned about our provision. Long story short, we ended up living on a 70 acre estate for free. A church told us they would pay for all of our tuition and books. Another family came up and said, if you'll go, we'll pay your health insurance. So I'm looking around like, oh my gosh, he really is going to take care of us. 
we still have to buy food. So we had like seven or eight families that every month would send us like a hundred bucks. Listen to this, guys. When you're in seminary, you have nothing. Nothing. And so we would, we would get so excited. Our biggest treat on Sunday was we would go to church and then we'd take our kids to Dunkin' Donut and we would get a, a donut, each of us. You see, he provides when he calls you somewhere. But when you're on this side of it, it's called faith for a reason. And it demands that we begin to trust him. Now, let's talk about trust just for a second. Only God deserves full trust. People will let you down. And some of you who've had difficult circumstances in life and have had situations that have been difficult, you've realized people will let you down. And that's normal because we're broken people. And because we live, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, we still have some brokenness that comes out from time to time. I trust God fully. I trust my wife almost as fully. But there have been times when I've hurt her, and there have been times that she's hurt me. So I know we're capable of hurting each other, and we trust at different levels, we meaning all of us. You have some people that you will trust pretty much a lot, and you have other people that you're cautious with. And part of that caution comes from your past and from your history and from our experiences of getting hurt. And so when that happens, you have to recognize the fact that that's going to impact the way you trust, and trust will impact how you move further in your life whether it's a new job, a new relationship, a new move, whatever it is, God is completely safe because the issue with trust is that trust is always about safety. I trust people that I think have my best interest at heart. We don't trust people who we don't think have our best interest at heart. That's why with God, he is completely safe. He will show up every single time. He shows up every single time. He is all-knowing, he is all-wise, and he's all-powerful. And he's everywhere. So he already knows. So he's, he is all those things. Only God is always fair. Only God can use never and always and mean it. If God says never, you might as well go on and lay it down. People can say never, but then they'll break their word. But see, I want you to see today, and what we're gonna, where we're headed with this here in the next few, sec few minutes is our trust has to be in God during these turbulent times right now. He is the only one we can trust fully in all circumstances. God is always fair. He's always right. He is never late. God is never late. We may be impatient, but he's not late. He is always available, and he always has our best interests at heart. Now, so you've been stuck. I've been stuck. I gave you a big picture stuck just now, but 
Recently, as I was looking through this, I feel like there's four or five things that I want to give you that will cause you to really get some movement out of any place that you're stuck. And so I want you, as you're thinking out loud, not out loud, but as you're thinking, um, pull up a place where you feel like you're stuck right now and just have that in the back of your mind as we go through this. These are like steps out of being stuck. Psalm 62.8 is the first verse I'm going to use here. And again, I'm, I'm sorry, but we're all over the Bible. Psalm 62.8, it says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a God of refuge for us. Psalm 62.8, Trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart before him. The first step, the first step of coming out of being stuck, either emotionally or relationally or, you know, work-wise, is pouring out your heart to God. I'm talking the kind of pouring out that says, I don't know what you're doing, I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust you in the midst of it. Lamentations 2.19, this is written by Jeremiah when Jerusalem was being destroyed. Listen to this one out of Lamentations. Arise, cry out in the night, at the beginning of the night watches. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands to him for the lives and for the lives of your children who are hungry at the head of every street. But he says, arise, cry out in the night, pour out your heart. Here's the deal. Pouring out your heart is not informing him of your situation. Pouring out your heart is emptying yourself of all the fear and the worries so that his faith and his word can come in. It's the exact opposite of how we look at it. When we pour out our hearts and when we say, God, I am, I am really scared about this. Besides that, I've never lived north of the Mason-Dixon line, so I don't know why you want me to go to Boston. Come on. <laughs> Pour out your heart. I'm being funny, but I'm not. I was scared. Pour out your heart. Tell him what's in there. If you're afraid, tell him. If you're upset, tell him. If you're mad, tell him. Because when all of that is in there, we don't have the... We, you know, you have a limited capacity emotionally. And when we don't have the capacity to carry these big decisions, because if they're decisions that he's initiating, he can carry that and give you steps, but he doesn't expect us to carry it all. I was trying to arrange our two years, or three years in this case. I was concerned about money and food and job and can I do it and will I fail and what an embarrassment it'll be academically. I was, in, I was worried about all that. I can't carry all that. And there's a chance that if you're in a situation at work or at home right now, you can't carry the whole of your future. Someone said worry and anxiety comes from looking at your future without Jesus in it. See, and what that does, the reason the word, the reason Jeremiah was speaking to Israel and said, pour out your heart, 
is Israel at that point didn't know what was going to happen. So we don't know the future, but we do know who holds it, and we do know right now he's called us to empty our heart of all those worries that we pack in there and all those things we create. See, when we project out, we are pretending that we know more about the future than he does. And so he says, pour this out. Pour out your heart before him. It's not an informing him of your circumstance. It's emptying yourself of that projection so that he can put hope in there. That's a huge thing right there. Pour out your heart before him. Pouring out is not informing. Pouring out is making room for him. The second thing. First one is pour out your heart. It's interesting, that word there, pour, pour it out. In the Hebrew, it, it's a word that just means to, if you have a glass of liquid, just to pour it out. So at the end of being poured out, I don't know if you've done this. I mean, this week I had a pretty heavy load at the office and one of my appointments canceled. And I spent the hour just pouring out to the Lord about some things. I said, God, I can't, I can't do this. I can't, I, I can't carry what what's I just heard. I have to pour it out. You have to pour it out. You have to pour it out. It should be a normal discipline in life to pour out your heart before the Lord. That's the first step when you are stuck. And that means being brutally honest because he can hear it and take it. The second one, this is where we come back to Psalm 37. This is the second step. Commit your way to him. 37.5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Trust in him and he will act. Trust him. You just trust him. A lot of you have probably done some leadership stuff and you've done the trust fall. You know, who, who knows what a trust fall is? You've seen all that. Okay, so you've all done that. I played with the idea of doing one off here, but I didn't. <laughs> trust fall. It only is a trust fall if you fall. If you don't trust in him, you're going to hinder his ability to act. So committing your way to him in the, using that same simple example that I was talking about, Gordon, Gordon Conwell. I filled out the application. I sent it in. I sent my transcript. I sent all of the doubts and the fears, and I poured all that out to the Lord. And then I sent in everything, and I said, Lord, we prayed over it. I said, here it is. I'm willing. I'm willing Committing your way says, I'm willing to take this step. On the inside, I might have been a little concerned, a little fearful. On the inside, I could have been a little scared. But on the outside, I said, here it is. I committed. I gave it to them. And then look on down in 37. Here's the third step. First one was pour out your heart. Second one, commit your way. Third one, verse 7. 
Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Man, don't you wish I wasn't in there? Because that's hard. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. It's interesting, that word right there, uh, be still before the Lord, means to be silent. Stop asking him about it. Stop wearing him out with the same three things. God, are you sure I can do this? Get up the next morning. God, I have one more thing. Are you sure I can do this? Get to the weekend. God, I haven't heard anything. I'm pretty sure I can't do this. Next week. Lord, they said they'd get back to me within a week, and I'm sure that I can't do this. That's not being still. That's worrying. That's projecting my fear back into my future. And I don't know my future. So we get up there. I go to this interview, and the guy says, you know, I saw your transcript. His name was Dave Otis. I don't know how I remember that. I saw your transcript, and, yeah, your grades are not quite there. However... I want to talk to you. I explained the situation. I said, look, dude, the first year, I, I was at baseball practice all the time. I didn't even go to class very much, but I won't do that here, I promise. <laughs> I'll actually go to class, and I'll, because at that point, I had a calling. It was different. I was really just kind of playing at the beginning. But I had to learn to wait. It's an inner resolve that you're saying, God, this is in your hands and I'm leaving it. It's in your hands and I'm leaving it. The reason you can be comfortable leaving things with the Father, He has your best interest at heart. He knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what it will take for you to succeed. And he knows what he's protecting you from as well. Because sometimes his no is a protection. His no is a protection. His no can be a protection. It's not that he doesn't hear. It's not that he doesn't know. But sometimes when this word says, be still, and remember I said to be silent, to be resigned, it's like, I don't have anything else to say, Lord. I've filled out all the stuff. I've told people at work, I'm going to do this. What was really interesting, here's just a little aside. When we were going, when Diane and I were going to drive to Boston for all these interviews and all of this, the day before we were supposed to leave, the owner of our company came in and we went to a little uh, space, got a little, in a little privacy, and he said, I've offered you three promotions and you've turned them all down. We want you in this company. And what will it take to keep you here? And he said, and I see you're going to be off for the next four days. I said, I am. The day before we're going to leave, I get offered the easy decision. Back in my mind, I hear the Holy Spirit say, you got to trust me. You just got to trust me. 
You got to trust me. It's a harder decision, but you got to trust me. Because when you begin to trust, things begin to change. Number four, look down at verse eight of this same psalm. Refrain from anger, forsake wrath, fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. Refrain from anger. It's interesting. In another word, in another translation, it says, stop being angry. Just stop it. Because the deal about anger is anger will cause you to lose your perspective. And you'll say and do very stupid stuff. Remember what it, look at what it says at the very beginning. It tends only to evil. The end result of that, of getting mad at God, of getting mad at people, of being frustrated with others, of not wanting to wait, and why haven't they called me, and why didn't I get that promotion? All of those things, anger will not help. You know what the last... Uh, fruit of the spirit you know it's listed in Galatians the last one is self-control and that's about emotional self-control also that's not just be careful what you say but it's about learn to control what's going on on the inside notice when you're angry notice when you're fighting God's process notice when you're trying to force his hand Anybody here join me in trying to force God's hand? Has anybody ever done that? How'd that work out? Not so good. Forcing his hand will never work. That's why he says, don't get mad at this. I'm taking my time for a reason. I know what I'm doing. So give him the room. So be still and wait on him. Control yourself. And then the last one, turn over to Proverbs 3. You know this one, but I want to read this one. This is the last step. Proverbs 3. Remember, we're talking about trust, and we're talking about the fact that when you don't make a decision, it's probably a lack of trust. Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, verse 5. And don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. That really means include him in your life's activities. Include him in the decisions that you're going to make. And also remember the faithfulness that he has given to you in your past already. I remember at one point, one semester in, they make you, you know, I think, I think they plan Greek to, to weed out people that aren't called. I'm pretty sure. I remember sitting in a stairwell on the way to a gym that semester. And I was sitting there with a guy in my class, and both of us were older, older in terms of the general population that was in school. And both of us were not really, you know, the top of the sharpest knife in the drawer kind of people. And so... I remember sitting there and I said, the only reason that I'm getting through this is I have a calling. It's not about skill. It's not about educational prowess. It was about calling. 
and it still is, your life has a calling on it. All of you. Every single person in this room has a calling. Now, for some of you, it's a calling to be a parent. For some of you, it's a calling to work in business and finance. For some of you, it's a calling to help walk in the educational system. For some of you, I mean, who knows? But all that you're doing in life, this verse says, in all your ways, your ways are your life's decisions. In all of those, acknowledge him. In all of those, bring to mind the things that he's done, especially when you're, when you're stuck. Remind yourself that he has acted on your behalf. Don't ever forget that. I mean, today, as I sit here and I think about all that he did. One time at Gordon, we were out of money. I mean, out of money like I had to put gas out of a tractor into the car to get to class. And I told Diane, I don't know how we're going to eat. I found a pile of money in my mailbox. What is that? In all your ways, acknowledge him. I carried that money outside, and I said, God, what in the world? He said, you'll never teach faith until you live it. In all your ways. Remind yourself. That story right there, that story gets me through days when things are difficult. It gets me through when, when times are not as I would like them to be. Remember that he has acted on your behalf in the past, and this is the thing you can project into your future. You can say he will act on my behalf in the future because he said he would never leave us. He said he'd never leave us, and he's not going to. He knows your situation completely right now. Remember earlier I said pull up something that you feel like you're stuck in? He knows about that. He knows all about that. In fact, he knows more about it than we do. So he knows if you're wrestling with something right now. He knows if there's something in here that's just scaring the pants off of you. He knows that. And if he has left you in it, he's got some things he's going to do with it for your future. Because he knows about it. And he can be trusted. He has your best interest at heart, and he will take care of you. So I just want you to, if you're writing or everything, that's the last thing. Acknowledge him and everything. Pour out your heart. Commit your way to him. Be still and wait. Control your emotion. And above all else, acknowledge him. Remind yourself of his goodness. Now, if you would uh, sort of close your notes there, because that's all that I got. And I just want to pray for some of you, because I believe that some of you probably are stuck, even this morning, even though we look really good here. You know what I mean? You can come in here and look really good, but on the inside you can feel the worry and the, and the difficulty. I don't know what is going on in you, but I know who does. 
And so just take a minute by yourself right now, right where you are. If you're willing to close your eyes, that'd be great. If you just take a second and just say, Lord, show me where I don't trust you. Just show me. Because he's not going to condemn you. He wants you to be able to go further. something that you feel like you just want to release just take your hand and put it out there and just release it to him and we're going to pray Father we're holding some things in our hands that we have struggled to trust you with because it's been years there's been a lot of difficulty that has caused us to get stuck and caused us to not trust you. So Lord, I pray today just supernaturally that you would reveal next steps to my friends here. Show them the next steps in this process. Some of you have got work changes that have bothered you for quite a long time and I just believe that God is saying that he's going to begin to change those things and they're going to and the changes are going to come quicker than you think and the changes have nothing to do with you they have a lot to do with the people around you but I think he's going to change so some of you are going to experience some changes at work Some of you are going to get phone calls from extended family and they're going to say, I'm sorry. Some of you are going to have provisions and surprises that you have been waiting on and the provision is there. 
and it's going to show up. God is working in the suddenlies right now. He's doing stuff quicker. Give him an opportunity to do that. So, Lord, these things that we're holding our hands out, we ask that you take it and we give it to you. We commit our way to you, Lord. In all of our ways, we ask that you be the Lord over them. We acknowledge your Lordship over our life. God, I ask for the future of every person in this room that with their future, you would do a deep work and you would begin to reveal glimpses. Just begin to give them glimpses of your goodness. Some of you have felt that maybe your walk with Jesus has dried up and you've stopped praying and believing and I'm saying if you'll give that up, he has more for you. Listen, the only time that you can say you're done is when you've breathed your last breath. So for those of you who are in my age group, I'll be 70 this spring. We're not done. You're not done. He just changes. He changes the pattern. But give that to him. Give that belief that you might be too old to make a difference. Give that up today and trust him for your future. Psalm 37, 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. So Father, I'm holding that word up because of how good you are. And we're holding our hands out. We're giving you this thing we're not going to bother you about it. We're not going to wear you out with it. We're going to trust you and we're going to watch you do great things. Lord, we love you. Thank you for being good to us. Thank you for protecting us and for being our father. Thank you that we're not going to live lives that we're stuck any longer. And we bless you now, Father. Lord, I'd be remiss if I didn't pray for Israel and I'd just lift them up again in Jesus' name for your safety, your protection, that you would work your will in the Middle East, Lord. It's very, very, very complicated and we don't know what to say other than to let your will be done and let you do your work there. God, thank you for this day and for your word. Thank you for the washing of your word. Believe in you. And we thank you in Jesus' mighty and holy name. For some of you, you're on a prayer team that prays for individuals after the word here. And so, why don't we all stand as you're ready? I don't want to pull you out of that place, but. If you're ready to stand, for those of you who are on the prayer team, if you would come down front, some people may need you just to agree with them.
In the meantime, go knowing that God has your back and that he is for you and he can be trusted. God bless you. Come for prayer and have a great day. We're so glad you've listened in with us here at Saltbox, and we'd love to get to know you better. So we hope you'll stay in touch and get more involved by joining us on the YouTube live stream. We hope you have a great week, and we encourage you to keep digging into your faith, because at the end of the day, it's just Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less.